Welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm your host, Marilyn Barefoot. And I wanted to mention that if you want to connect with me at any time, you can do so at MarilynBarefoot.com. I see and answer every single connection personally, and hopefully on a very timely basis. Also, this podcast now has its own address. You can find us at BreakingBrave.show. My guest today, Terry Stewart, and I met at Deloitte, Canada. I do have the honor and privilege of facilitating sessions with Deloitte from time to time, and Terry's a senior partner there. But that's not at all what we're talking about today. Terry and his partner, Robert Carley, are the founders and creators of the Awesome Music Project Canada, Songs of Hope and Happiness. The Awesome Music Project explores the transformative power of music through the sharing of stories, songs, and science. Funding important research that looks at music's impact on mental health is at the heart of everything they do. Please welcome Mr. Terry Stewart. My guest today is Mr. Terry Stewart, and Terry and I actually met at Deloitte Canada. He was a guest in a session He was actually faculty in a session that I was facilitating, and we had an instant connection, and because of that, I found out about this incredible thing that he's doing. Welcome to Breaking Brave, Terry. Marilyn, awesome to be here with you. Thank you for being here. I would love you to set the stage, if you will, Terry, for the audience in the world. Who are you, and how did you come to do this awesome thing, which I haven't mentioned yet? That you're doing. Sure. I am a senior partner at Deloitte, have had a great career with lots of fun jobs like chief innovation officer and digital transformation with the federal government, as well as getting into executive coaching most recently. Um, That's my day job. The uh, discussion we're going to have today is around mental health. And I'm a passionate advocate for mental health. And in 2019, created a charity called The Awesome Music Project focused on uh, leveraging the healing power of music for mental health. And I found out about this as we started to get to know each other in that session at Deloitte. Could you name the incredible work that you published on October the 10th of 2019? (laughs) Very precise date, actually, Marilyn. My notes don't fail me here. Well, that's awesome. No, and it happens to have been World Mental Health Day as well, which was the reason that we published it that day. Um, We created a book called The Awesome Music Project Canada, Songs of Hope and Happiness. And it's a collection of 111 stories about songs that make people hopeful and happy. And um, it's with some amazing Famous people that you might know, like Sarah McLaughlin, Michael Bublé, Chris Hadfield, Rick Mercer, lots of amazing Canadians. It's all Canadians in the book. Um, But it's also got some folks that you've never heard of who just have great, great stories about how music has helped them and healed them. And in between the stories, we sprinkled a little bit of neuroscience about what music does for your brain. And you created this book with a man named Robert Carley. Can you give me some background for those people who may not know who Robert Carley is? Rob is an amazing friend and, and previously neighbor, first and foremost, but um, but he is a super accomplished mus- musician, professional saxophone player. He's a music composer 
uh, for film and tele and television. He's done all the music for uh, Murdoch Mysteries. For those of you who happen to know Murdoch Mysteries, uh, Juno award winning, Gemini award winning composer and musician, and and a wonderful, wonderful co collaborator on it. So he's actually the music brains behind the book and the uh, and the charity that we've got. And Terry, are you? Willing and able to tell the story that you very generously shared with the group at uh, the session we were in at Deloitte together about the genesis of this book, about why did it, how did it come to be as a book? Um, I had gone through uh, my own challenges on mental health, light, I'll call it light anxiety, depression, and then uh, a very close family member actually wrote a suicide note and that uh, was delivered to me and and I had to absorb it and and process it. And it got me into thinking like that's one of those wake up, wake up moments when you say, oh, I think everybody's doing well. This person has their life together. They're doing amazing. And suddenly you have physical evidence that all is not perfect. And all of us have been affected by um, anxiety, depression in different ways, either personally or through our families. But when it comes right home to roost, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge. And so I started to think about as an innovator, you know, person who likes interesting, crunchy questions, I started to look at it and say, why is it when people present themselves to their doctors or the medical community, we immediately go to, okay, you have anxiety or depression here are some antidepressants. So we go down a pharmacological route or we go down a therapy route and say, okay, here's, here's therapy for you. Those are really the two primary modalities that our system deals with. And what I started to get curious about is why is it that those are the only two when we know that there are many other things that can actually help us. And in this instance, I started to dig into the fact that when I get sad or go down in the dumps, I lean on music. I find the favorite soundtracks that I've got, the playlists on Spotify. I lean in on them. And sometimes they're happy songs. Sometimes they're sad songs. But inevitably, those help lift me at a minimum, sustain me, but often lift me out of the the doldrums. And that was the same with, with my family member. And I couldn't understand why that was the case. And so I started to dig into it. And there is a ton of research about the healing power of music, how it helps people. And it's almost 100% positive. So it's very predominantly positive. So then you ask yourself, why is it we're not prescribing music? Why don't the doctors say, oh, you're into music, you play music, you listen to music. Here's a prescription for you for the next month. You have to go to five concerts. You have to listen to 10 songs a day and away you go. And the reason it turns out is because the research that's been done, some of it very robust, but not in a clinical trial type way. And so, you know, where we do clinical trials, if we're releasing a new drug, et cetera, um, it hadn't been done with the double blinds, with the, you know, placebos, et cetera. And so I said, well, why don't we, why don't we go figure out how to do that? So, so we, we, when Rob and I started talking about this as neighbors over the fence, we came up with this idea of collecting stories and creating a book that would help raise money for music and mental health research and partnering with CAMH on that kind of work. That was the genesis 
that was the genesis of it. And the book, I'm proud to say, uh, became an Amazon uh, bestseller in the music appreciation category, which is fantastic. So it's still available, $35 on Amazon.com. And all of the proceeds from the book go to uh, music and mental health research and the kinds of programs that we, we help to drive. Amazing. It feels obvious, but it doesn't. I mean, the whole pharma, okay, there's a problem, here's a pill. There's another problem, here's another pill. I've certainly read in the aging communities and seen video in the aging communities, in, in retirement homes, et cetera, where there are patients and guests that have dementia and they put a headset on them and they play music from a time where they were much younger. It changes them completely. I've got to believe the same is true for all of the work that you're doing with respect to mental health. And dementia is part of mental health, is it not, Terry? Absolutely. And this gets pretty personal. I started this with my own challenges and my family's challenges. And then recently, my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he's doing very well, but his memory is not there. And so he'll ask the same kinds of questions frequently. And it's, it's a very sad disease in terms of how it takes away our ability to link to many of the past memories. If we ask him things about events in when he was young or even in his, his marriage to my mom, he can't remember them uh, often unless somebody has just in that conversation told the story. But as I got closer to the discussion around music therapy, I said, oh, well, why don't we look at applying this to dad? And I got a wonderful music therapist from Toronto and she did, does a Zoom call, not unlike what we're doing now. And she sings the songs that they uh, had in church and when they were young, he had gone into hospital during COVID and I created a playlist for him and he would light up when those songs come on. But when mom and dad listened to uh, Justine, is her name, uh, Justine playing their songs from church and so on and singing them, dad knows every single word of the song. He lights up and it's just a different, a different kind of engagement. So we know that music lights up different parts of our brain and the actual long-term memory, even as terrible diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia ravage different parts of our brain, somehow the musical elements still light up, whether it's the lyric, whether it's the melody, and it can tap into the emotions of the time. And you'll see people that actually they hear a song and the memories and emotions, the tears will start streaming, et cetera. So it's an amazing tool that we're just starting to really figure out how to leverage in Western society. Eastern society has leveraged music much more robustly for, for a long time. And, and by the way, we created during COVID, we saw this as a challenge and we had actually been approached by a long-term care home to do a concert for them. And ultimately, and I can tell the story if, if we want to get into it, but we created a program called AMP for Life, which really brings music therapy, digital music therapy into long-term care homes. And uh, we found, interestingly, that there were two challenging aspects. Number one, at the early stages of the pandemic, when Zoom, this Zoom stuff was new to everyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you remember those days when yeah. Zoom was new? It's like, new? oh my God, what button do I push? I have no idea. And now it's just second <laughs> nature, right? Exactly. 
So music therapists are amazing, but they tended to be very analog in orientation. They would, they would be singers, they would be guitar players, they would be pianists. Um, and they hadn't really dealt with a lot of digital technology. And I'm obviously generalizing. Um, so we helped them figure out how to do digital delivery of music therapy. And then long-term care homes, a lot of long-term care homes didn't have uh, high-speed internet access. They, they weren't even able to do Zoom calls uh, online. So we helped them figure out some of that. So we disrupted two sides of the industry and then brought it. So, and we created, it turns out our little book, our little book that could <laughs> um, with 111 stories in it is an amazing tool for these kinds of situations. Cause every story is two pages, one page, two pages. So, and you don't have to have read the whole book to get the gist of it. So you can just read one story. And so we created the book club, they would tell the story, somebody would play the song, uh, et cetera. And in fact, at one, we started at Pinecrest and one of the, one of the long-term care homes, Kawartha Gardens, they said, well, you know what? We have stories. And so the residents and their families said, wouldn't it be cool if we created stories like the stories in the book, but from our mom or our dad or our aunt or our uncle. So they create a mini version, a magazine type version of the Awesome Music Project for their organization with the stories about songs from their people. So we're trying to take it to the next dialogue and really help people just engage in the discussion, recount those stories, but also bring them to life and help help themselves heal and be more happy uh, through the journey. I mean, we talk about storytelling as such a powerful tool, but the idea of the generational storytelling and that somebody's children of children of children would like to know what granddad or grandma loved in terms of music and their music story. So it's a great piece to be able to essentially pass along through the family and I think illuminate the family members, educate the family members that this song was super meaningful. And so it stays with you in a special place in your heart. Yeah, Marilyn, thanks for sharing that. I think there's an amazing intergenerational connection. And, you know, sometimes grandparents, you know, non-digital age, et cetera, they don't have the same stories that the grandkids are excited about. But when you get to music, it's, it's the universal connector. When my dad went into the hospital during COVID, he had a sugar, an instant onset of diabetes and went into the hospital and cognitive processes were challenged and a bunch of other things. And that was possibly some of the trigger toward Alzheimer's for him. But when he went into the hospital, we couldn't go and see him and we wanted him to be comfortable and happy and, and, and he was getting great treatment at the hospital. But we created a playlist and gave him a set of headphones and what happened was the people in the hospital, the nurses and the doctors and so on, they wanted to hear his playlist. So they ended up with a speaker in the ICU and he was the DJ of the ICU and he would put it on. And Johnny Cash was one of the, was one of the artists that might, my mom and dad are, are religious and so lots of church songs in the playlist and so on. But Johnny Cash came on and everybody, it didn't matter if you were the 23-year-old intern or the 50-year-old doctor or nurse, or my dad at, at the time at uh, 88, 90, it universally connected them. And they were able to talk about what that song meant to them and where it went. So it's absolutely got this uh, transgenerational opportunity for connection. 
It's a beautiful story, Terry. Thank you. We uh, on my wall, and as we we discussed this in person at Deloitte, the stories in the awesome music project range from an eight year old to a hundred year old. Am I right? Hundred year old. Yeah. And all community, all provinces, because it's an all Canadian book, all provinces, all voices, LGBTQ plus community. Everybody is in this incredible collection so that when you open the book, anyone can find something they can feel that they relate to. That was obviously extremely intentional on your part. Yeah, we wanted, I mean, what we realized is Rob and I, especially in today's day and age, Rob and I are two white guys in our middle age, right? And we wanted to make sure that the book was not just appealing to folks that looked and sounded and felt like us, but to everybody in Canada so that every, and, and to be honest, it's, it's got Canadian content, but it's, it's relevant to everybody in the world, to be honest. And we've had, a, we designed it actually. So if there's anybody on your podcast outside of Canada says, Hey, I'd love to do this for Australia or India or Italy or the U S um, we would love to talk, but we designed it so it could be um, templated for other, other countries and given to them. Um, but we wanted everybody to be able to, if they happen to pick it up and start looking, say, oh, you know, that person sounds and looks and feels and resonates with me. And so you're, you're exactly right. Every province and territory, eight to 100, LGBTQ+, the military, the indigenous community, um, famous people, not famous people, all across the continuum. And so the hope is that it creates dialogues in many, many uh, different forums. And we've taken that intention and kept it in our fundraising events. So we try and have participants of both genders of, of different communities. Our, our fundraising events, by the way, are called Story Songs and Science. And so we tell a story, we sing a song, and we sprinkle just a little bit of neuroscience into it so that people start to understand the healing power uh, so this is a perfect time for you to do a shout out. I don't know if it's sold out or not, but you have a live concert coming up at the Elmo Calambo here in Toronto, and I am going to be a guest and I'm so excited. So here you go. Here's the promotional opportunity. If in fact you're, you know, hopeful for support, whether it be live support with people attending or whether it's donations, let's do that right now at, at this point in the podcast so everybody knows how to get, get in touch with the Awesome Music Project, donate, support, those kinds of things. Okay. June 21st at the classic, iconic El Macombo, where the, if people don't know about the El Macombo, the Stones used to open up and they did a concert in 1972, I didn't want to say. Um, at the Alma Combo. So you start to think about how iconic that is for the Rolling Stones to have done that. Anyway, we have amazing artists. Juno nominated Fifi Dobson, Tyler Shaw, Danny Michelle, which is an amazing uh, songwriter, storyteller in Canada. And he's a good friend of ours. He is wicked. Antonio, Michael Downey, Nicolina. So it's going to be a fantastic night. All of the money goes toward our programs. In this particular instance, it's support of the Camiso family who lost their son. And Erica Camiso is going to be there. And uh, Frankie Camiso, unfortunately, took his life at 25. And he was a musician. So this is in support 
of Frankie and Stella's place is a local uh, home for youth and a drop-in center, et cetera, for youth to deal with all kinds of issues. And so we're supporting programs around music and mental health at Stella's place. So June 21st this year, so three weeks, we do still have tickets available, but it will sell out. Um, So get them now, $90, all of the money goes toward the performances and toward the programs at Stella's place. If you go on to theawesomemusicproject.com, it's a bit of a long URL, but it's easy to remember if you remember the the name of the book, The Awesome Music Project. Uh, You can get tickets, you can donate to us and uh, support. There are many people that want to help and support and provide time as well. And we take all of that. We're a registered charitable foundation in Canada. So all of the money is going through that. And we're supporting different initiatives at both the elderly end that we talked about earlier, but also a lot of our time and energy these days is focused on youth because what we found through COVID um, was the two ends of our, our age continuum were the most affected. So we're doing the awesome music hour at community centers for youth across the country. Thank you. And you can buy t-shirts and you can buy socks and you can buy the book and there's all kinds of ways to contribute, volunteer, donate. Marilyn, we're going to put you on our promotional uh, chart here to make (laughs) sure that we've got uh, all of that because I missed a few items. So thank you. Oh, it's okay. I just remember we were in the session at Deloitte and and you very kindly, I'll tell this story because I don't think you know it, very kindly brought a copy of the Awesome Music Project, because of course I'm all about prizes. Deloitte thinks I'm crazy because I love prizes. And and I think it was, I decided that it was going to be a prize for somebody who told the best story and then we didn't have enough time, so we did a random draw. And the man who won the book from you, his name is Anders. Several, several, several weeks later, I'm walking in downtown Toronto towards Deloitte for doing another session, and he stopped me. I'm like, Anders, how are you? And he said, that book that Terry gave as a prize, that I won as a prize, has changed my life. Wow. So there you go. Now, when we were talking about youth, apart from that story, your friends who lost their son, Jack, started jack.org. So I wondered if we could talk about that for a minute, because I have that up on my notes, because that's also youth, mental health, and the great work that jack.org is doing, if you're okay with that. Sure. Yeah, Eric and Sandra Windler tragically lost their son when he was at University at Queens. And they had they had been with him just previous to like the week or two previous to that skiing and seemed like everything was perfect. At university, great grades, good set of friends, girlfriend, all of the things that you would on the outside say, check, 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 looking great, and then suddenly took his life. And so they created jack.org which is uh, focused on uh, helping create youth as mental health advocates because their their learning was, you know, they felt very connected to their son, but somehow he was going through troubled times and they didn't see it. Right. And so the, the thinking is if we have more youth that understand mental health, understand how to see the challenges, understand how to reach out for help, then they may be able to, so it's making sure we're tapping into all the different sensing mechanisms. And they've done an amazing job over the last, um, I want to say 10 plus years with Jack.org across the country and creating youth mental health advocates. Yes, bless them. In my limited education, I think they were one of the first. 
in terms of bringing to the front the foray of the general public in Canada, youth mental health. And they've done an incredible job. And and as you've said, I think they they work on essentially empowering ambassadors so that if the youth cannot or will not or doesn't feel they can speak to a parent or an older person, then these youth ambassadors make a huge, huge difference. Thank you for that, Terry. So storytelling. Let's get into storytelling. I have a note up here about, I may say this wrong, Lieutenant Commander Shekhar Gotti. Mm. Correct me if I said any of that wrong. Shakar Gotti, Lieutenant Shikar Commander. Shakar would be applauding right now. Actually, he would be saying you've oh, done great. I'm, I always, I try. And then if I need to be corrected, I'm like, okay, go ahead. But there is an incredible story here that I would love you to tell about the power of, of music and the story of Lieutenant Commander Shakar Gotti, if you don't mind sharing that with the world. Shakar was a lieutenant commander in the uh, special forces, the Canadian special forces. And he was on detail in Haiti. And I want to say the year was 2010, but I could, I could get this wrong. He was on detail in Haiti in terms of a services and humanitarian mission, helping, helping in Haiti. And they were working out of the UN facility in Haiti. And ironically, he was there because some of the other postings were like to go to Afghanistan or someplace else. And they thought, okay, well, let's, let's be a little safer. We'll go to Haiti. And that was when a massive earthquake went through and the UN building that he was in collapsed, concrete building collapsed. And he was buried alive underneath all of the rubble with some of the other workers. And Shikar would say that he wasn't sure he was going to come through it. So he was thinking about his wife, his family, uh, when he last saw them, what he last said to them, all the things that we would go through if we were in one of those tough moments. But then his military training kicked in and thinking about, okay, what can I do to you know, maximize my likelihood of survival? And he kept hearing the song, Lovers in a Dangerous Time, somehow in his ear, and for those of you who know that song, the original was done by Bruce Coburn, uh, an iconic Canadian artist. But he was hearing Ed Robertson and the Bare Naked Ladies, who had done an, a really awesome cover of, of the song. And there is a portion of that song where it gets it goes through a lot of great lyrics, but it, there's a specific line in the song where they say, you've got to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. And that just suddenly, and sometimes I think, you know, our brains are processing subconsciously and they figure stuff out. And that was the lyric that was stuck in his brain. And, and then he personalized and said, okay, Shikara, I've got to kick at the darkness, kick at the rubble, kick at the concrete until it bleeds daylight, i.e. literally until I can see sky or until... I can get out from underneath the dust and the and the rubble. And he would say that that was one of the, the main reasons that he ended up surviving that terrible accident. And so that's just an example of how it's, it's a very vivid example, but of how music shows up at those moments when we need it. Right. And Shikar's story is is in the book. When we did our book launch at the Gladstone and I'm going to get maybe a little a little moved at this, but Shakar in his full military gear told the story 
And then Ed Robertson and Jim Cregan from the Bare Naked Ladies performed it. And um, there wasn't really a dry eye in the house. It was, uh, it's still my favorite story in the book uh, among many favorites, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. So that's just one example of the kind of stories that are in the book. And isn't that incredible? Thank you for sharing that. I saw a picture online of him standing in the full military gear at the podium, and I can't even imagine how moving it must have been to to be in the room. Now, we have an astronaut in the book, Chris Hatfield, Canadian astronaut. Somewhere on my wall, I have a quote from him saying, he was in space for what, six months? Am I right when I say six months? Yeah. And he couldn't have gotten through it, meaning that disconnected from the planet Earth, without listening to music every day. I take it, Terry, that you've met him through this process. Tell me a little bit about, about him. Well, most of us have not had the privilege of meeting him. Chris is an unbelievable individual. He's a good friend of Rob's and Danny Michelle, who I mentioned earlier, the singer-songwriter. And when we asked Chris to be in the book, he was immediately on it and said, like, I'll support you guys. And obviously, if you have a Chris Hadfield, then suddenly lots of other people want to be in the book as well. So he's one of yeah. those anchor foundational individuals. But, I mean, people know his his exploits, I guess, or accomplishments, uh, being an astronaut and, you know, speaking the number of languages that he speaks, you know, because to be an astronaut, you had to speak multiple languages and so on. Scientist underneath the covers, uh, has been a teacher. They don't typically don't know about his level of, um, music interest. And he, when he was up in the, in the international space shuttle, he ended up singing. There's a fantastic video of him singing, uh, David Bowie, Space Oddity, Commander Tom, come in, Commander Tom. Oh. And and he's floating, he's floating around in the space station and and playing guitar. And so super passionate about music. Um, he's produced albums. So Chris, Chris wants to make a difference in the world. He's had the gift of an amazing career as an astronaut, but he wants to make a difference in the world in 2019. He went up in into the Arctic. And he rented a Russian icebreaker called the Klebnikov. And he really wanted to raise awareness on climate change. So they had a National Geographic film producer there. He convinced Danny, Michelle, to go up and to create and record songs while he was up there. And so they did an amazing album, you know, about just about why we need to pay. And it's not it's not in your face about climate change, but it absolutely brings to life the issues that climate change is having with our glaciers and um, icebergs, et cetera. But so he's an amazing, he's, he's an amazing musician. And in fact, at our last event, um, he came and performed and told his story. And we had Tom Wilson perform the song from his story. And uh, he's an AMP ambassador, part of the AMP army. Uh, if you will, but um, but an amazing Canadian. And so if people don't know about Chris Hadfield, check him out online and check out his story in the book. And he's written books, or a book at least, that I have that I haven't read yet, but he's also an author. Yeah, multiple books. And there's an amazing one where it's it's photos that he took from outer space. Around the World in 92 Minutes is the name of the book. Because what we know is when we went to outer space for the first time, 
uh, to the moon and took shots of Earth, it suddenly started to change people's perspective on the world that this little blue marble that we live on. And so he thought, well, how can I help bring some of that to the to the forefront? So took a bunch of photos from outer space and in a in a perspective that most of us don't get a chance to get. I love that. You also have Theo Fleury, a hockey player, that's said something like, Would you get involved? And he said, dude, you had me at the word music when you were when you were pitching him. So is there any story around Theo Fleury? Is he a, he's obviously a huge, huge fan of music. Yeah, he's a fan. And what you find with the interesting thing about music is you find with a lot of these people that are very accomplished in their own right. So Theo is a hockey player, Canadian, um, out of Alberta. Um, Theo has bands that he plays in. So he's full on into bands and so on. We haven't yet done an event in Calgary. We were all teed up for some events across Canada. And then this little, I don't know if you remember, but this little pandemic thing kicked in. And I, so we, I think I, I heard. We, we shut that down, but we're getting back into it. And I'd love to do an event in Calgary with, with Theo, but he's, he's uh, very much into music and, um, and plays it. And, and that's what we start to learn is many of us appreciate music from a hearing it, going to concerts, listening to it on the radio it's, or on Spotify, et cetera. But we also have a lot of people that are learning that actually, even at the ripe age of 60, as I am, you can pick up an instrument and start to get into it. And it actually engages your brain in a different way. And so you see lots of the, the amazing, so Chris Hadfield's story, obviously about him being into music, but also Theo and others, and it keeps your brain actively engaged. So never too late to pick up an instrument and get into it. Never. Absolutely fantastic. So you just actually reminded me of a teeny tiny story, which if it's okay with you, uh, Terry, I'll tell. Both my son and my daughter, when they were younger, were into ski racing. Now, my son was into ski racing. So he got up high, 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 started at Nancy Green and went up to this level. And then it became like you had to have enough money to go to Argentina for the summer. So he had to stop. My daughter was into ski racing, but I think really wasn't into ski racing. She wanted to be with her friends on a snowboard and hang out, you know, in the park and all that stuff. And she was a little more afraid of it. My son used to throw himself down a hill and just be completely crazy. But my daughter said to me one time, you know, mom, when I'm really, really nervous and I'm standing at the gate at the top of the race hill and I'm just the gate's about to break open and I'm about to break open the gate, I sing all the way down the hill. And I thought, well, what do you sing? And she said, it doesn't matter, but it calms me down. And I just thought of that story now and I thought I was thinking it had something to do with breathing and maybe that helped her breathing, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? It's engaging your brain perhaps as you've just mentioned in, 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 in a different way, Terry. There's, by the way, there's a super interesting story about that in the book. Is there? On page 16. Jennifer Heil. Of course. Canadian Olympian gold medal, multiple medal Olympic mogul skier. Yeah. So she would hear Bedouin Sound Clash. That was her go-to song before she went racing. And she'd listen to that before winning gold at the 2006 Winter Olympics. So... The connection between sport and music is super strong. And whether it's getting yourself pumped up, whether it's getting yourself in the breathing in the Zen-like space, it has all kinds of purposes. But uh, yeah, wicked. I'm glad I brought that up. Thank you. 
So Terry, the, the going forward position as you raise money to do the research, how is that going? Obviously, that little thing called a global pandemic got in the way, but you're you're working with the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, KMH, here in Canada. Where are you right now? How can we help you with all of this is really the ask. The the focus on funding, what we realized was, you know, large-scale clinical trials cost a lot of money, like a lot of money, like a half million, million dollars for small cohorts to, to drive it. And so the pivot that we did a little bit during the pandemic, and we're still kind of there right now, is we need real and applied research to be going on. So what we found was everybody was talking about the respiratory pandemic that we were in, but we were simultaneously in a mental health pandemic. And so the programs that we launched around AMP for Life and the Awesome Music Hour, so youth and and the elderly, are really applied research. So doing them out in the field, getting the people engaged, but tracking how did they feel before, how did they feel after, so we can start to get some metrics. So the goal is to do that, but then also as we get, you know, build up the funding pools, then get back into the the CAMH um, clinical trial research. But we realized that that was the long game and we were in a situation where we need to be playing the short game uh, to help people kind of survive, if you will. So how can people help? Donations help a lot. Uh, They can help us with the applied programs. People can choose how they donate. Uh, through the website. Um, if there are any major donors, we would love to fund you know, a large piece of research at CAMH, but we need hundreds of thousands of dollars for that. So if there are some folks in your audience that want to do that. And, and for those in the international audience, CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, is world-renowned uh, for its research in a whole bunch of areas across the entire continuum of mental health. And so this would be something that would apply clearly to Canada, but also on a global on a global basis. So donations, money, money, money. If there are artists that are listening, um, one of the things we've been exploring is artists, you know, donating a, a, a component of either an album or a concert tour to the uh, Awesome Music Project. All of those things are open. The good news is we're a small charity, so we can, if somebody has an idea, of, if they want to sponsor an Awesome Music Hour across Canada, they can do that and we can we can structure something in meaningful communities. Part of what we're trying to do is have the Awesome Music Hour be for the community, by the community. So as an example, there's a set of community centers in Kitchener-Waterloo, Guelph area, Fergus, Palmerston, et cetera, that they've launched called The Grove. And we've partnered with The Grove locally to deliver Awesome Music Hour. So it's a drop-in for students over a 10-week period. They can come and go as they want. Each week has a slightly different theme. There might be a drum circle. There might be a songwriting class. There might be a sing-along. There's a film scoring session that got a lot of interesting attraction. Rob happens to be a film scorer. So there were some folks that wanted to bring that to the table and engaging visual, visual capabilities as well as auditory. So that's an example of a community. And we just did a concert on April 30th in uh, Guelph with Alan Doyle, one of my favorite Canadian artists, Alan Doyle of Great Big Sea fame. And it was amazing. And all the money from that went to funding more sessions at the Grove and in the community. So 
We want to have local communities where they're able to do something like the Stella's Place Initiative, like the Grove Initiative. So any community can say, hey, here's something that we'd love to do in our area. Obviously, we need to also fund our operational elements, but uh, those are very modest in, in terms of their expenses. So, Fantastic. Well, I hope that on a global scale, people are reaching out to you and donating and, and, and taking up this opportunity in a serious way. Terry, because we're on Breaking Brave, what does bravery mean to you personally? Hmm. I should have anticipated that question, Marilyn, but bravery means being true to yourself, taking a leap outside of your comfort zone, um, being vulnerable, but with a Northern Star ambition in mind. And it doesn't have to be you know, a lofty ambition. I mean, our ambition is changing the world of mental health through music, but it can be being brave with your family, being brave with, you know, your friends, you know, helping protect someone and being brave and standing up for other people's rights. All of those things would be there, but it means getting out of the comfort zone and standing up, standing up for what you believe in would be, would be my definition, but it involves us getting uncomfortable. It involves us being vulnerable uh, and taking a stand. Thank you. Terry, before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to say to the world about the awesome music project or in general? I would say, Marilyn, we're at the front edge of our understanding of our brains and our neuroscience we're just learning about all of this and we have an amazing opportunity to truly change the world of mental health through the healing power of music one song at a time. And I would encourage people, read the book, do all of that, love the donations, but just use music in your life and with others. Share your stories with others, connect with your family, connect with your parents, connect with your kids, connect with your significant other. Ask them, what's a story about a song that's really meaningful to them? And you'll get surprising levels of connection in this world of the Twitterverse where we do everything in 140 character bytes. I guess they're more than that now, but um, where we, you know, we're doing so quick in and out and short bursts getting into real dialogues on the things that matter to people, especially around mental health and helping them feel better is super important. And you've got a tool that's in essence free to you yeah. and we need to use it to its full maximum capability. Put the tunes on at home, dance in your kitchen, put them on outside at the cottage, get somebody to play a guitar when you're just listening at the campfire. Think about all those all those uses. So use music to heal yourself. If you're in down in the dumps, um, I've gone through that and I'm currently back in a little bit of one of those zones. And I leaned on a playlist this morning to get, to get back fired up for our conversation. So don't forget about that tool that's available to you, especially if you're going into a dark, you or somebody that you care about is going into a dark moment, push on that power of music that you have. Thank you for everything you're doing for this incredible initiative, the awesome music project. And thank you for being on Breaking Brave and taking the time out of a crazy busy schedule that I know you have 
to chat with me about it. I really appreciate it. And 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 please come back, Terry, at some point and and tell us how this is going and the research and and everything, because I'm keenly interested as well as the rest of the world in how this is moving forward. Well, and I look forward to seeing you at our event at June, on June 21st at the Alma Combo. And uh, we'll have some more stories to tell after that. So thank you for what you're doing with Breaking Brave because people need, they need that nudge just to get out of their comfort zone. And what, what I will say is when you do get out of your comfort zone and you get brave, you get vulnerable, amazing things will happen and it will feed your soul as well as having the impact that you can have. So thanks for what you're doing to bring that to the forefront. Thank you, Terry. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at Marilyn Barefoot. That's it for today. See you next time.